The Zonal Marking Podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. It's Man City versus West Ham this Sunday. Are Man City going to put the disappointment of last weekend behind them? Will Jared Bowen get his first goal for West Ham? With Bet365's Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, cards and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple's App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hi there, hello, thank you for tuning in to the Zonal Marking Podcast, which is brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ali Maxwell, and alongside me today is The Athletic's football tactics writer, Michael Cox. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ali. Quite busy at the moment, because we've got the series that you're writing on squad numbers, shirt numbers, I think more specifically, but a fair few other bits and bobs going on. What have you been writing about so far this week? Uh, this weekend I looked at West Ham and, and really why they collapsed against Brighton late on, which when you look at the table could be a really significant result. Kind of all stemmed from two substitutions, uh, one for Brighton, one for West Ham, that made a real difference down West Ham's left. So just looking at uh, yeah why they turned 3-1 into 3 all. Yeah, don't give too much away because the Athletic site and app is where to get all of Michael's writing and much more as well. Uh, today we're talking about Mikel Arteta. And his tenure so far as Arsenal manager, 45 days he's been in charge of the club. He's already presided over 10 matches, so straight into the action and a fair amount of action to look back on and to analyse, look at some tactical trends. The club now on a winter break of sorts, on a warm weather training retreat, a bit of team bonding, uh, according to Ornstein's article at the start of this week. And a good time for us to look back. Michael is going to give us all sorts of tactical insight. And it is going to be mainly about the key tactical features of Arsenal's play under Mikel Arteta, some signs of, of what might come, and to take a look at how he's using the personnel at his disposal, the players that he inherited, because there's plenty of interesting wrinkles. Uh, Michael, first of all, you've covered Arsenal games under Arteta over the last six weeks. You've touched on his tactics in a few articles on site already. When we spoke about Frank Lampard's first few months in charge of Chelsea, we mentioned how the tactical side of his tenure hadn't really formed part of the narrative so far. But when it comes to Arteta... Because he was billed as a Pep disciple, it feels like that's much more part of the narrative. Is he living up to expectations in that regard for you as a, a tactics writer and analyst? Yeah, that's an interesting way of framing it. I hadn't really considered the comparison to Lampard, but I think you're right. It has been a very different kind of approach. And yeah, I think it's very obvious to see that he's been working under Guardiola. I think in terms of the system, more than anything else, I think has been really interesting. A different type of system from the way that City use it, but there's still been the same intentions, I think, to fill the five channels, as we'll come on to. And also just in the general play. I mean, under Emery, I think Arsenal really lacked an identity. It was really difficult to see what they were striving towards. 
straight away under Arteta, you saw that they were using the ball very well from the back. They were pressing much better from the front, which I think was something that Emery started with, but went away quite uh, quite quickly. And it just feels like a more of a defined identity. It feels like you know the direction of travel for Arsenal. One of the things that has impressed uh, James McNicholas, Arsenal writer for The Athletic, and a line that he used in a recent piece on Arteta is that the team looked more organised than they did under Unai Emery. Uh, that reflects well on Arteta, but wasn't that meant to be one of Emery's sort of main feature traits, organisation, especially on the defensive side of things? It didn't really take many games under Arteta before you really started to look back at Emery's reign and, and question really what was going on there. Because, you know, for a man who was so big on tactics and so big on detail, I don't think there was really any significant improvement on that compared to the Wenger years and personally and and this is going over old ground but I think there really was a problem with communication you know you could tell that just from his press conferences Emery he never really mastered English and I think while there's some managers who could probably get away with that and who could compensate for you know slightly lacking language skills with their personality a Klopp for example you know even if his English wasn't perfect you can still imagine him kind of inspiring a team not sure Emery had that and I think that just better communication from Arteta, who I think has been very impressive in front of the cameras, has been uh, probably a major improvement. When it comes to things such as man management, organisational skills, how he's connecting with the players on an interpersonal level, uh, Ornstein on his podcast yesterday talking about all the positive signs that have come into the club since Arteta arrived, body language improved on the field, uh, a, a more focus on smart analysis and smart decisions being made. So plenty of positives on that side of things. Results have been mixed so far. That sort of reflects Arsenal's season and where they're at with this squad, which we're going to get into now. But in terms of formation, Michael, we'll start in that sense. Uh, You've been writing a lot about tactics more widely in the Premier League and uh, a certain tactical trend in terms of formation and how we talk about formations that has got you thinking in the last few weeks. Talk, talk me through how we've ended up with all major teams in English football seemingly attacking with five attackers. Yeah, it seems to be essentially the major trend amongst the, the recent Premier League title winners. And I'm going to jump the gun here and include Liverpool in that because I think that <laughs> we can, we've got to that stage now. But when you look at Conte's Chelsea and Guardiola's Manchester City and Klopp's Liverpool in the attacking phase of play, they always really play with five across the pitch. They do that in different ways. Obviously, Conte's side pushed the wing backs forward on the flanks of the front three, which is kind of what Klopp's team do from a different formation. Guardiola was different, really. It's it's De Bruyne and Silva moving forward with the wingers staying wide. But you always had the five channels filled, and that's something that coaches talk about a lot these days. The two wings and the centre and what they call the half spaces, which I guess is more or less the channels in English football uh, terms. Um, and Arteta's done that in a slightly different way because it hasn't been three up front it's been a four two three one so you've got four attackers there and to create the five they've kind of shifted across the pitch and created space on the overlap for one of the fullbacks coming forward which in Arteta's system has always been the left back it's always been either Kolasinac or Saka flying forward and the right back has tucked inside and stayed much deeper and I think there's been a, a couple of goals that we'll come on to talk about a little bit later where it's been really obvious the benefits of that system, essentially overloading the uh, opposition back four with a fifth man popping up on the overlap. It's funny because in discussions and writing about teams' tactics, uh, y- y- you tend to have a, a pretty good idea, and the modern fan these days has a fairly good idea of what their team's formation is 
in this regard at 4-2-3-1. But as you've mentioned there, that that's really a focus on the defensive structure of the team, isn't it? But in possession, all these different sides that you've mentioned, they may start with the same formational base, if you will, but the way that they implement it in possession and their, their patterns of play, it can look incredibly different. There's almost something about how we talk about tactics, which it feels like could be slightly improved on there, but it's difficult to know how to do so without making things feel too complicated, I suppose, for, for, for us all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think formations have always been limited in, in their scope of how they describe a team shape. But I think they, I mean, they always refer to the f- defensive side of things, which is fine when you're talking about a Burnley, for example, because they do look like 4-4-2 for long periods because they don't have the ball for long periods. When you're talking about a Guardiola side or an Arteta side today, then they're not in the defensive phase of play that much. So I do think it sometimes makes more sense to talk about them, you know, almost their default in the attacking phase of play instead. So what have you seen from Arteta's Arsenal so far, Michael, in possession? We'll start with with that. How are they looking to progress the ball? What sort of patterns of play have you started to notice? How is this Arsenal team going about trying to create chances? Well, I think the main thing is, as we mentioned, is that front five and, and how they've formed that has been interesting. So... They start with the 4-2-3-1. Usually it's been Pepe on the right-hand side. He always stays in that wide right position. Ozil has started as the number 10, but has really drifted to play as an inside right, really. So he kind of likes to cut inside, try and float balls over the defence with his left foot. Uh, Lacazette has played as the number nine, and that's been a fairly standard role. He stays up there. Um, And then the left is really where the interesting thing happens. Aubameyang has started on the left. And really the question since... He and Lacazette have been at the club has been how you play them both together. They didn't quite work that well as a strike partnership because the rest of the side suffered. When Aubameyang was on the left, I think he was often stranded out there and wasn't really combining with Lacazette. But now he's in this role where he starts on the left of the 4-2-3-1 but drifts inside to become an inside left. And of course, that position is then filled by the overlapping left back, which has been either Kolasinac or increasingly Saka. And that's the front five. And then behind that, things have varied a little bit. Sometimes it's 3-2-5, sometimes it's 2-3-5, but roughly the same idea. You often have one of the players, usually Xhaka, who kind of moves between the two. And and that can change according to the formation of the opposition. But I think Arsenal's build-up play and their patterns of play have been very good. They haven't quite been incisive enough and they're finishing when they have been incisive and created chances their finishing has been quite bad as well do you get the feeling michael that the attacking structure that you've just described is more a result of the personnel that arteta has inherited or is that do you think a pretty good window of how we can expect this side to to play for example next season when he's had a summer to to trim the squad to to start putting together his own ideas his own squad I mean I think it's been a clever compromise clearly he wants to play with this front five in possession and it's been about how you get the existing players into the positions where they feel comfortable so I think he's actually created at least on paper a really quite clever compromise there's a couple of players who don't quite fit in we'll talk about Pepe in a a second and I think Danny Ceballos maybe has been the big surprise I mean he's the almost an Arteta-esque player in many ways, hasn't really got a chance. Maybe that's tactically, maybe it's because, you know, he's only on loan. Arteta's Mm. really looking to build for next season. So there's a couple of players who probably haven't been favoured by the system. But the big players, I mean, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe and Ozil are really the, the front four you want to be on the pitch. And I think he has created something that allows them to more or less work in their uh, favoured zones. Yeah. Is, is it working? 
Uh, when I saw the, the starting lineup on Sunday, Arsenal travelling to Burnley, uh, as a neutral, I thought, wow, Martinelli, Lacazette, Aubameyang with Ozil behind. I, I kind of had no idea how that was going to look, how that was going to work, but I was excited to, to see it. And the first five, ten minutes were really encouraging with Saka providing that fifth attacker, as mentioned, down the left. It didn't seem to necessarily continue in that regard. Uh, it, would you say that in an attacking sense, it's working at the moment or a work in progress? I think it's a work in progress. But I think the the thing that hasn't really clicked is just the individual contributions of the attackers in the final third. I mean, that Burnley game, Arsenal created two really good chances for Aubameyang in the left channel, which is exactly where you want him to be running into. The first one in particular just completely got the finish wrong, you know, really unlike him. Um, so I've, I've, I've a little bit of sympathy, well, quite a lot of sympathy for Arteta because there have been numerous moments where you just... The players are in the right position. The build-up play has been good and they're just let down by a final ball. That really was evident actually from the first game against Bournemouth where Arsenal's build-up play was excellent and they got players into good crossing positions. The crosses were just wildly overhit. And that seems to have been the pattern since. The players haven't really quite provided the finishing touches, which I can't really lay at Arteta's door. It just seems like underperformance from individuals. James McNicholas has written about this already this week, an article on Arteta and trying to find balance among attackers. You mentioned Pepe often down the right, but on the weekend it was Martinelli. Martinelli, something of a a wild card given the way that he's really burst onto the scene this season and the the talent that he has, but not just potential ability, but actually his output this season, which has taken many by surprise. And it's a case of trying to to work out what's going to be best for this team in the long run. Uh, James writes about Aubameyang and Lacazette and this is not a new problem for Arsenal as mentioned sooner or later he may have to choose between them whether now or in the summer there are big decisions ahead and Martinelli is confusing that somewhat as well do you have any thoughts about Aubameyang Lacazette their strengths I suppose and how their attributes and their profiles pertain to what you believe to be the way that Arteta wants to play? I mean, Aubameyang playing off the left, but as you've mentioned, be wrong to call that a left wing position. What do you think the future of these two attacking players are at Arsenal? I mean, I think they can play together in this system, but I think really the problem has been the lack of end product, particularly from Lacazette. Hasn't yet scored under Arteta. You look at his XG, it's 1.8, so it's not bad. He has got into the, the positions a couple of times, missed a good headed chance against Burnley. That chance, it wasn't just the fact that he missed it, it was the fact he missed it quite so badly, I think was the, you know, the sign of a player who's really lacking confidence. The thing is with Lacazette is, I have been impressed by his all-round game. I think he really understands the system. I think his work with his back-to-goal has been very good, and I think that's important if you're going to play with four other attackers. I think his pressing has always been excellent, but I think with a little bit more energy and a little bit more cohesion from the players behind him it's been particularly effective the game against Manchester United which was Arteta's first win I thought he was excellent in forcing Maguire and Lindelof into difficult situations where they basically just hoof the ball back to Arsenal so I think he will get more opportunities because of that and I think you know if his goal scoring comes back and there's no reason to think that this is any kind of long-term decline he is a very good player who is usually a very good finisher I don't think there's too much of a problem with him and Bamiyang tactically maybe the wider decision is 
Aubameyang's relatively old. Lacazette's, you know, getting on a bit. Martinelli, of course, is the new force. And I think he's probably adjusted quicker than people expected. I mean, he's been excellent in a couple of games. So he is an option. But I think for now, it's, you know, it's those two as the regulars. And Martinelli will get his chance here and there. It's interesting. It's quite a standard part of, of the analysis of strikers and why you see certain strikers play more than others now. You've touched on it there. Lacazette, two ticks in his box, build up play and out of possession, which for many people are not the primary jobs of strikers, which is to score goals. But for many modern managers actually hold just as much importance, if not more. James also wrote, and it's quite clear, there is a problem with shot volume. I don't know whether we, you would put that whether that's the same as chance creation. But in terms of the pure shot stats, since Arteta was appointed as head coach, Arsenal have mustered only 67 shots in the Premier League. And in the same period, only Sheffield United and Crystal Palace have managed fewer. So that is something of a a concern or something certainly that they'd look to improve. Um, I want to talk about the use of fullbacks. I think uh, we've been fairly clear so far that the left-sided fullback has a primarily... Uh, attacking uh, role almost being that fifth forward being that fifth body uh, at the top of the pitch what about the other fullback what about the right-sided defender under Arteta because these fullbacks they don't have the same role they don't have the same responsibilities that's become very clear yeah, on the right, it's been completely different. I mean, they've played almost a tucking inside role, whether it's tucking inside to be part of a back three or more regularly, more of a midfield three. That feels quite Pep Guardiola. Yeah, he likes a bit of that. He very much likes a bit of that. But I think it's been notable that, you know, Guardiola tended to do it. Often they'd both come inside. Sometimes it'd be this game they'd do it, the next game they wouldn't. Arteta has been quite a consistent policy. And they've got Maitland-Niles on the right, who has been quite open about the fact he doesn't want to be a a fullback. He wants to play in midfield. Personally, I'm not convinced that he has the, the quality to be a Arsenal midfielder long term. But I think in this compromise role, it really suits him quite well. Um, and maybe the more interesting option actually is Hector Bellerin, who I think we regard primarily for being very, very quick on the overlap. But since he's come back from his injury, physically he looks he looks a little bit short. Obviously, it's a you know a gradual recovery process, but it's quite rare that you come back and and you see a player who looks quite so rusty. But I think. What we've often underestimated about Bellerin is he's actually a very intelligent player. I mean, when he gets into the final third, he doesn't just flash balls across the box. He really likes picking out a good pass. And I think he does have the quality to play almost as a you know part-time central midfielder drifting inside into that role. I think he's got more to his game than just the pace. So I'll be quite interested to see how Bellerin adapts to Arsenal for the rest of the season in this system. Is the reasoning for the, the right-sided fullback dropping in centrally a bit more in possession, uh, you want someone who can contribute to the build-up play, I suppose, play with the majority of their team in front of them, whereas the, the left-back is, is, I suppose, more poised to deliver crosses from the right-hand side. But it's to do with defending transitions as well, isn't it? The important parts of the pitch to protect if you're going to lose the ball with the opposition countering are the central areas of the pitch. 
but it does leave the the the, the wings slightly more exposed. Is that, is that something of a trade-off that we've seen first from Pep and now Arteta at Arsenal? Yeah, Guardiola was very open about the fact that that's why he tried the fullback policy. It wasn't really about the build-up play, although he had Lahm and Alavre at Bayern Munich, who were, of course, very, very comfortable in possession. But it was more about when the ball was lost. You don't want your fullbacks being 70 yards ahead of your centre-backs. You want them being in a tight unit. So, yeah, when they lost the ball and it was against you know good counter-attacking sides, the back four was actually quite close together on the pitch, albeit in a slightly unusual shape. So that's part of you know why Arteta does it as well. And I, I don't think Arsenal have really been exposed to many counterattacks. I think probably the exception would be the winner they conceded to Chelsea quite early on, I think Boxing Day or, or just after Christmas. I think Arsenal kind of lost their lost their heads a little bit because they'd been so... I think they've been very good in that game and they conceded a goal almost out of nothing when Leno made that error. And I think they really went chasing the game when really they should have just continued to do what they were doing. Um, but aside from that, I don't think many counterattacks have, have caused them issues at all, which is maybe wasn't so much of a problem under Emery, but, you know, was a, a continual theme under Wenger when they were playing very possession-heavy football. They would leave themselves open to breaks. Do you think your explanation of the quite specific instructions that the right back has might begin to explain the purchase of Cedric at the very end of the transfer window? In Ornstein's piece earlier on this week, there was a a mention that doesn't look that good from an Arsenal perspective, that Southampton basically couldn't believe their luck, basically biting Arsenal's hand off when the offer came in. Uh, Do you think from what you've seen of Cedric, he... He's been headhunted almost to to play this role and, and has the qualities to do so if Bellerin was to pick up another injury. Yeah, perhaps. I think he's um, he's more defensively solid than Maitland-Niles, certainly. And uh, yeah, maybe gives him a little bit of a secure option. Um, and it's funny when you look at Arsenal's squad because the more you look at it, the more actually they do have options throughout the pitch. I mean, right back, they've got Bellerin, Maitland-Niles and now Cedric Suarez. Left back, they've got Saka, Kolasinac and Tierney when he comes back. So they do have options. Maybe you can say none of them are perfect. Um, But Arteta does have different profiles of players to play in different systems. So, you know, when a couple of those players come back, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Much more fun being a left back in this Arsenal side, I would suggest. Looking at Saka and Tierney when he returns, that's... Those are the players who are going to stand out if you're just looking at, at output, aren't you? You're, you're going to think a bit like when Marcos Alonso had that great season uh, in Conte's 3-4-3 where you know, his heat map as a left wing back would have been higher up the pitch than the majority of the left midfielders and, and many left wingers in the, in the Premier League. In terms of how to cover when you have a left back that is so high up the pitch and tasked with really staying so high and delivering crosses to such an extent. How has Arteta gone about that conundrum? Well, this is where Granit Xhaka has come in. And uh, I guess he's maybe been the player that's been most rejuvenated under Arteta. Obviously, under Emery, the, the problem was not so much tactical. It was what happened in that game against Crystal Palace. And there was lots of expectation that he would leave in the January transfer window. So the fact that he's still there and playing a key role, I think you've got to give Arteta a lot of credit for that. And Arteta's found a good role for him. I mean, he's um, he's basically been covering for the left back when they go forward, like you say. I think it suits him. Obviously, he's left-footed. He's comfortable towards that side. I think it also hides some of his weaknesses as well. His big issue is he gets turned very easily when he's high up the pitch. We know about his tendency to make fouls 
does, which gets him into trouble with the referee and that means he can't tackle anymore. He doesn't really find himself in that position anymore. He's generally, you know, behind the ball. He doesn't have too many instructions to get forward. He hasn't been shooting as much, which I think is a good thing because he <laughs> tends to, I think, fire off about 40 shots for every goal. I think he hasn't scored since that one where he deceived De Gea last season. Um, so he's he's been a crucial part of the system, and it, albeit in a kind of functional role, but I think that's all Jack is ever going to be. He's, he's going to be a player who supports others. And, you know, his, his form has been decent, I think, under Arteta. What about his midfield partners? How has Arteta started to, to use the likes of Torreira, Guendouzi, who's been a, a key man, and how are they forming part of this Arsenal team? Well, I think Torreira was probably the player who was most pleased when Emery left and Arteta came in. Obviously, Arteta played that role for a number of years uh, for Arsenal after he dropped back from a, a bit more of an attacking role. But Torreira was a player that Emery just didn't really fancy in that deep-lying playmaker role. He thought he was a bit more of a box-to-box midfielder, sometimes an attacking midfielder, which really isn't what Torreira had been doing you know, prior to signing for Arsenal when he looked so good for Uruguay and in Serie A. So uh, I think one of the one of the most obvious benefits was how often Torreira was getting on the ball in the first few games. He's comfortable receiving it under, under pressure from opponents. He's good at using his body to shield the ball or win free kicks when he needs to. I think his passing has been positive. He's looked for Ozil whenever possible. So yeah, there's been a big change, I think, in the... I guess in the midfield leader, you know, Xhaka's still there, but it's now Torreira who feels like the heartbeat of the side. And that's exactly what you would have expected when Arteta took over. Do you think Torreira long-term has the skills to be this team's sort of central progressive passer under Arteta? Yeah, I think he's an excellent player. I think you're always going to have to pair him with a certain type of player. He probably doesn't have the physique, you know, of uh, someone like Fabinho, for example. But if Xhaka's there and Xhaka's providing a little bit of physicality, then I don't think there's too much issue with that central midfield too. Um, Yeah, I think Torreira's got uh, everything it takes to be a really good Premier League holding midfielder. Of course, in all the top teams nowadays, progressive passing and making those incisive forward passes is often the remit of the centre-back. Michael, how has Arteta looked to use the central defenders at his disposal, many of them uh, somewhat maligned by Arsenal fans and others? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, not even the organisation of the side has really been able to hide the uh, tendency for Arsenal defenders to get themselves into trouble. Obviously, the best example of that is the Luis red card against Chelsea, which was obviously really Mustafi's fault and Luis trying to make up for it. I mean, defensively, Arsenal aren't aren't conceding as many shots, um, which was a big problem under Emery. And on the ball, I think they've been a little bit more sure of themselves. Luis has played some good passes. That one to Aubameyang that I mentioned earlier against Burnley was a really good ball. Um, And he's got that remit, hasn't he? Certain managers have looked to curb that part of his game. Some of them have looked to exploit that. Arteta looking at the very least while Luis is part of his team to, to make the most of that particular skill of his. Yeah, definitely. And I gather the fact that, um, you know, Arteta was was quite keen to take Luis aside very early on and say, you know, I'm, I'm really counting on you as a big player in this side because for all his occasional lapses, this is a player who's won the Premier League. He's won Ligue 1 a couple of times. He's captain Brazil. I mean, he's one of the players in this side who I think is a leader in terms of his personality. And he's obviously very useful tactically as well with his distribution was, was such a major part of uh, of Chelsea's play last season under Sarri. His passing was just absolutely exceptional. So we've seen a little bit more of that. And I think he's helped as well by the fact that whereas under Emery, Arsenal were changing system every week, sometimes playing quite narrow. Now they play with such permanent width that you can spray those long diagonals and there are targets near the touchlines for him to find. 
what can you tell Arsenal fans about the potential for Rob Holding to become part of this defensive unit, potentially Pablo Marie, who they signed towards the end of the window? Do you see either of those players taking the place of, let's say, Mustafi or Louise before the season is out? I think there's a good chance they will get opportunities. I mean, I think Louise will probably be the the left-sided centre-back. Obviously, Murray can play there. Um, Holding, I think, is a player who has had a few good runs in the Arsenal side, but has, has never really nailed down a place. And I do think that with the situation Arsenal are in, maybe now's the time to really give him a few games because... If I was if I was Arteta, I would be too disappointed to miss out on the Europa League for next year because I think that that competition has really quite drained Arsenal a lot over the last couple of years. If you win it, okay, great, you get into the Champions League, but Arsenal haven't won it. They got to the semis and then the final. They played, I think, over 30 games in that time without qualifying for the Champions League. And I think if Arsenal were to just miss out on European qualification and have a lot of time on the training ground next year, Monday to Friday, to prepare for the game on the Saturday, I think it could be really beneficial. So I'd be inclined to, you know, rather than necessarily fighting for every victory, build for next season. And Holding's the type of player who, you know, if he does become a first-team regular can be there for five six years which you can't really say about Socrates and probably not uh, about Mustafi either because although it it might seem counterintuitive not to want to be part of European competition for certain managers especially ones with strong ideologies Michael it has benefited new managers in the past having that extra time on the training pitch to to implement their ideas and make their mark on a team. Yeah, definitely. Conte's Chelsea in his first season were a good example of that. I don't think you'll find another team in Premier League history, really, that was so obviously superior because of the tactical organisation. I think you can say the same for Rodgers when he nearly won the league with Liverpool in uh, in 2013-14 and indeed Rodgers this season with Leicester. You know, Leicester have been outstanding this season, but I can't help feeling that had they had six Champions League group games, they probably would have dropped more points in the first half of the season. So, look, if Arsenal are in the Champions League, that's fantastic, but that's only going to happen through winning the Europa League. Um, I think another season of the Europa League might be a little bit draining for Arsenal. And there's been a few of those nights that just on a psychological basis, you know, at home with a half-empty stadium, sometimes being outsung by the opposition fans. I don't think it's been good for the feel of the club. And, uh, I mean, it's very rare for Arsenal not to be in Europe. So it would be a bit of a change for them, but it might be beneficial in the long run. Let's touch on a couple of Arteta's fixtures so far, some moments that have stood out for you tactically as we try and analyse the development of this Arsenal side under Arteta. There's been a few fixtures against Chelsea already, a defeat at the Emirates, which you touched on earlier, started well, faded badly, uh, and Leno not helping things there. Otherwise, he has been fairly excellent, I think it's fair to say, under Arteta. That two-all draw at Chelsea uh, with 10 men at Stamford Bridge stands out as a a very good result on paper. What about the 2-0 win against Manchester United, Michael? Because that was against a team in a not dissimilar state to them, both a, a very good result, but also a strong performance. Yeah, it was a really good performance. Obviously, the first win for Arteta. I think the most memorable thing probably about that game was that Pepe started the game really well down the right, really caused Luke Shaw loads of problems. He was a player that Emery wasn't really getting the best from in his first half season uh, at Arsenal. But I think that he's... Um, Pepe's maybe an interesting player because... On paper, he kind of wants the role that Aubameyang's playing, albeit on the opposite flank. So he wants to start right, cut inside onto his left foot. Because Aubameyang's doing that on the other side, Pepe's really been asked to hold the width. And that doesn't really suit a left footer. He's kind of being asked to play on the outside of the fullback. And I think in pure stylistic terms, maybe Reese Nelson is actually more suited to that role because he can go down the outside and really keep the width. 
does feel like as we've dis- as we've discussed through the various partnerships across the pitch and what Arteta is trying to achieve that there is work to do in order to find the right balance in terms of the players at his disposal and currently there's a few sort of square pegs in round holes uh, from the sounds of, of what you've said from a very good performance early on in his tenure to one where he had to really draw on on his half-time changes to, to, to make the difference up against Marcelo Bielsa in the cup against Leeds uh, a sensational first half performance from Leeds had Arsenal reeling um, but they came out with the win that was a, a, another sort of feather in his cap I suppose yeah and I guess the interesting thing here was I didn't think there was too much Arteta very obviously changed at half time but Arsenal did improve and it, it seems as if he, he gave a kind of old fashioned rollicking to the dressing room rather than changing anything but that was interesting I mean for Arsenal to be so bad in the first half and improve after half time um, without any formation change or substitutions I thought was uh, maybe testament to the fact that Arteta can command the dressing room and uh, yeah fire his players up when required a bit of hairdryer treatment which is a funny image because if you used a hairdryer on Mikel Arteta <laughs> it wouldn't have any effect that the hair wouldn't move whatsoever being as it is made of Lego um, and, and potentially the most dominant performance under Arteta that came the other day in that game against Bournemouth yeah, so this was an interesting game. This was in the cup where Arsenal rotated quite a lot, particularly in the uh, in the final third. It was a very unfamiliar attacking line. But I thought that the, the first goal that they scored, which was finished by Saka, was probably the best example of what Arteta is trying to do with that front five because the ball basically worked, you know, across the entire pitch from right to left. And uh, yeah, it was just a wonderful demonstration of what he's trying to do. It started with Pepe on the right flank. He played the ball inside to Willock, who was playing pretty much in the Ozil role. Uh, Eddie Nketiah was playing up front didn't actually touch the ball in this move but made a good ru- uh, good run across the defence the ball went on to Martinelli who dragged in the Bournemouth right back I think was was uh, Adam Smith and then Saka was bursting forward completely on the overlap gets the ball in space and smashes it in off the bar and that really showed the value of playing that front five and the second goal as well Saka assisted this time again it was Martinelli coming inside dragging the fullback narrow Saka getting on the overlap and putting the ball in for Nketiah to to finish the move, I thought that was really promising because it wasn't, you know, Arsenal's first choice players, but the system was still there. The players understood the system and they scored two goals because of it. They wobbled a little bit late on, but I think if, you know, if they hadn't won that game, they would have been very unfortunate. Yeah, I was going to say, without wanting to over-exaggerate things with, with a win in the FA Cup, I think that does reflect well on the implementation or at least his explanation to his players of what his philosophy will be and how he wants them to play when you have a a second string step in understand their roles and what they're expected to do rather than just playing sort of almost and as individuals which you see often in these cup games with heavily rotated teams that reflects quite well on Arteta. Uh, Michael just to finish it feels a lot of the time like fans whether or not results are coming and and sometimes in bad patches, just want to understand what their manager is trying to do and try to understand, there's often talk of philosophies and tactical structures. Uh, In the early days of, of Arteta's regime, his reign at Arsenal, it seems fair based on what you've said to suggest that while the results have been mixed so far and might continue to be for the next few months, it's quite clear that It wasn't all bluster about Arteta, that this is a man who has very strong ideas, ideologies about how to play. And also, seemingly, despite never having held a senior position before, the nous to go about starting to implement that. So in your eyes, 
fair to say, quite a positive start to his reign at Arsenal? Yeah, I think he's done a really good job. I think results will have to improve before everyone gets on board, but I think he's changed the feel of the club, which was really quite down and depressed under Emery. And I think when you look at you know the composition of the squad, obviously Arsenal still need to get players in in the summer. But under Emery, really, people were talking about there's like four or five players you want to keep and the rest we can, you know, get rid of. I think things have changed now. I think Arsenal need a couple of players, probably a really good central uh, defender and probably another player who can play in midfield as well. But I think that they do have the tools to, you know, challenge towards, you know, Champions League qualification at the end of next season, which I think is the only realistic goal. Great. Well, six weeks in charge of Arsenal, Mikel Arteta. But given how busy the schedule has been, there's so much for us to look back on. Already 10 matches for Mikel Arteta. Thank you to Michael for talking me through it all, helping me to understand what Arteta is trying to do with this Arsenal side. But what else have you got going on on the Athletic site this week, Michael? More shirt numbers and anything else? Yeah, we're on to number four, which I think will be a bit of a focus on uh, Barcelona and how they, you know, produce a lot of players who, who wanted to grow up and inherit Pep Guardiola's shirt. And yeah, something else on the website about uh, changes to formations that teams have made in recent weeks. Obviously, a few sides have really kind of got themselves out of danger or, or helped to get themselves out of danger with uh, a bit of a change in formation, likes of Everton, likes of Bournemouth, Watford have done that as well. So yeah, looking at a few things from across the Premier League. Your recent article, which we have referenced pretty much throughout this podcast, given how relevant it is, uh, has been very well received. Your look at how the top teams in the Premier League are simply playing with five attackers in possession, a 2-3-5 or a 3-2-5. I would hugely recommend that piece to anyone listening who hasn't read it already. Uh, Theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking is the site to head to if you have not subscribed yet to The Athletic uh, site and The Athletic app. That is where you'll get a 40% discount to your annual subscription, uh, which will allow you to read all of the brilliant football writing on site, but also NFL, NBA, other American sports. There's so much on site, all ad-free, of course, and we would implore you to sign up today and give it a go. Another incentive to signing up to The Athletic is that this very podcast and all the other podcasts in The Athletic stable are completely ad-free, just like the site itself. So give The Athletic a go today. Sign up on theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking. That's it from us this week. Please join us again next week. A fresh new topic. We really hope you've enjoyed this zonal marking podcast. Thank you very much as ever for listening. <laughs>